Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hello, Super Nintendos. Welcome to episode 697 of the Nintendo Bro Voice Chat Podcast. I am your host, Seth Macy. With me here today are the other Nintendo Bros. Nick Lamone. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's been a minute. Oh, it's always a pleasure. And 
Logan Plant. Seth, I'm so bummed. My big direct prediction didn't come true. And there's like nothing uh, going on in the world of Nintendo this week, but we'll still have a fun show. Yeah, we're going to have fun. It would have been a lot more fun had your prediction come true because we probably would have done a live show and I would have been the only one on normal hours because it would have been 9 a.m. my time and the West Coast crew would have been bleary eyed and drinking coffee. And uh, I, but that's fine because eventually they've got to give us a Nintendo Direct. Um, what, are, Logan, I'm just curious, do you have a new prediction? I don't know. The rumor mill is is on fire right now saying maybe it's a partner showcase. Maybe there is no Direct. Ooh. Maybe new hardware reveal coming up soon. I don't know. I don't really like to give too much credit to the rumor mill because there's just so much going on out there all the time, especially in the world of Nintendo. But I will say <laughs> this, if there's not a Direct this month, I, I'm feeling new hardware reveal in the next six weeks. I'll just say that. I think Ooh, that I think I we're think, getting pretty close. Yeah, like yeah, not not six weeks from now, six weeks from like March first. So like March or April is is really what I'm feeling. So basically, again, we have to bring Puxatani Phil into this conversation <laughs> as we did last week. So, Nick, what are you thinking? You feeling you feeling like we're getting a direct? You know, I'm hoping that we see something that coincides with the you know the that Nintendo museum that's opening up in Kyoto that's happening sometime in March. So maybe to coincide and celebrate that, maybe mm. we'll get like a, Hey, we have more uh, to share with a switch successor at the end of the year. I think we might get like a deep tease where we get a console reveal, maybe for fall, like the fall is the, the direct that showcases what you'll be able to play hopefully in uh, spring of 2025. That's like a I'm dream. I'm shooting my shot from the three-point line. Can you imagine if, yeah, they have this lineup of every console in Nintendo history, and they have, like, a glass case on the very end that says, question block coming. Oh, my gosh, that'd be so cute. That would be so cool. I'm actually going to be in Kyoto in March, so I'll keep you guys posted and see see if I find it. Field packages from the museum. (laughs) Send them our way. That'd be amazing. I'm so excited. Well, yeah. Rumor mills are going crazy. And that kind of brings us into like the main topic of today's show, which is if you just listen to what everybody's saying online, uh, it sounds like Phil Spencer said, well, we're done making hardware forever. And now we're going to send our games to everywhere else. And that's not really exactly quite what he said. But at the same time, it's almost impossible to find what has gotten, what exactly got people into this sort of like speculation and rumors other than yeah like several was it like god it was like march or may of last year they said they basically said we've lost the console war like sony's so far ahead nintendo so far ahead it's silly for us to like pretend that we're competing on their levels and then this week he said hey next week we're gonna have a, a conference about the the future of xbox and what that means for you and you know please fill me in on the details here. Uh, th- those are some pretty wide dots to connect to say that Xbox is done making consoles and is now going to put Game Pass games on everything. So, you know, if you, if, if either one of you has some details to help fill me in on this, I would really appreciate it because I looked. I, I don't think it's less, I think it's less of Game Pass coming to other consoles 
I don't think that's happening quite yet since that is kind of like, you know, we had, I was on a fascinating conversation with uh, Damon and um, Ryan McCaffrey on next gen console watch, which should be coming out by the time you're listening to this. And Ryan really had some uh, wonderful insights to share as, you know, IGN's resident Xbox dude. Um, But for the most part, the one thing that we can kind of expect uh, in the foreseeable future is some, uh, Microsoft like third party and first party exclusives coming to other consoles not necessarily all of them getting shotgun blasted onto Switch and PS5 but some select stuff like uh, you know that leaked hi-fi rush coming to Switch Um, that feels like a natural fit on a Nintendo console Um, but I don't like I don't expect that we're going to see something like Starfield on Switch anytime soon unless it's running via cloud streaming yeah I think that's yeah or if the next Switch is a big power upgrade uh, or potentially i mean we are living in an era where everything is dlss powered by uh, nvidia gpu pros uh, nvidia gpus so you know if the switch successor does run on a similar uh, nvidia what is it a cuda infrastructure or whatever there's a high likelihood that it could run some form of dlss to use ai upscaling techniques to reach uh 4k whether that be letterbox 4k or um you know some sort of other upscaling uh method i don't think we're going to get native 4k 60 but i do think we're no. going to get some form of upscaled 4k running hopefully that is with a bold the target at 60 I would I would say that that we will not see 4K on the next. I think 4K console. docked, 720 uh, 720 undocked. Okay, I think that's I think 4K, that's... 4K letterbox upscale. Mm-hmm. All right, like All 1440p right. or something like that, or yeah, I think like a 1440 letterbox style upscale. And this is pure conjecture on my part. This is mostly wish fulfillment on my part. I'm hoping we get something like this, something akin to like a PS4 Pro. Okay. Yeah, that'd be really nice. Yeah. So basically, th- this week Xbox fans are very worried about what is going to happen next week, and it all kind of kicked off right with a bunch of reports from various outlets saying, "Hey, uh, last month it was Hi-Fi Rush, and maybe Sea of Thieves, and then this month it became Starfield to PlayStation, and maybe Gears of War to PlayStation, and maybe everything to PlayStation and." whatever the next Nintendo console is. And again, we haven't heard from Phil Spencer and Team Xbox yet on this, so we can't say exactly what it's going to look like, but it would be a huge shift for the industry for Xbox to do that. And I think it makes a lot of sense. A lot of Xbox fans are upset about the idea of their exclusives going elsewhere, but Xbox is, the hardware itself is so similar to what is offered on PlayStation that it makes a lot of sense for them to go this route. Oh, you can't say that, that you can't say that. (laughs) You, you can't I say can't. that extremely true thing. <laughs> okay, yeah, don't yell at me. They're all I, basically computers. <laughs> exactly, and that's what I was going to say, because I want to kind of bring this back to Nintendo and say that I, a lot of people have said that you shouldn't care if your preferred platform goes to other platforms with their software. And I agree on an Xbox front, because Xbox, like you guys were just saying, is basically a PC at this point. Yeah. But Nintendo hardware... They still do such interesting things with their hardware. I'd be heartbroken yeah. if Nintendo ever stopped making hardware because they, they're they innovators. They're pioneers in the hardware space, not from a like technical proficiency resolution frame rate perspective, but all 
all you Steam Deck lovers out there, you don't have that without Nintendo Switch. You don't have a DualShock analog stick without the Nintendo 64, right? Like for years, they've been pioneering yeah. in hardware. And you don't have PlayStation do so. Move without the Wii. <laughs> yeah, it's hit or miss. But yeah, it's true, though. <laughs> I, I do yeah. wonder, though, like if the Switch successor, like will... Is this the last, like this is again, I'm just posing a question. I think Nintendo is one of the most innovative hardware manufacturers and game designers out there. But can Nintendo continue to innovate with the next iteration of their hardware? Or are the days of the Nintendo 2DS, the 3DS, even the Wii U, despite it being a failure, it was innovative in the way that it uses hardware uh, to do things that you can only do on that specific hardware. Whereas with the Switch, we're seeing that it is something that is more of a uh, portable console that you can take anywhere and play most games on it. So are we are, are long gone the, the days of making hardware that is bespoke to t- uh, software that can only be played on Nintendo hardware? Or are we going to continue to see Nintendo just be the, the portable console that I can play most games on? Mm. Knowing Nintendo, I would say the answer is equally <laughs> down the middle. Yes, it could be, or no, it won't be. Because, like, honestly, uh, I remember when the Wii was announced, thinking, like, what the hell is this? I remember when the 3DS was announced, or excuse me, the DS was announced. It's like, why would I want dual screens? Yeah, well, now Red Show and the Virtual Boy, which is probably <laughs> the only major flop uh, of Nintendo's being uh, sort of innovative outside of the box thinking, but. Yeah, it could be it could be anything because you know the Nintendo or the NES and the the Super NES were they didn't do anything too extraordinarily different. I guess the Super NES controller did introduce shoulder buttons and had four buttons. You know what? Actually, all the Nintendo. I, I mean, I I do think so. the eight bit to sixteen bit jump was that innovation, right? Because was it was the, the uh, it was like the whoa, I, games will never look any better than this. And I feel like nowadays it's getting harder and harder to yeah. say that, um, despite every totally. game looking more and more realistic. But uh, yeah, it, it'd be, I'd be very curious, despite a lot of like the the leak patent stuff, right? Of like, oh, the neck the Switch successor is going to have a second monitor that you can hand to a friend and play local multiplayer on. It's like, really? I don't know. Is that actually how it's going to be? I guess I guess we'll find out. Well, yeah, it's interesting. Remember- then, then- go ahead, Logan. I was just going to say, Nintendo platforms tend to go in pairs, right? NES, Super mm-hmm. Nintendo, N64, GameCube, Wii, Wii U, DS, 3DS, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance. Like, they, they have sets. And so, what, Nick, you were asking, you know, is the next one going to be innovative or iterative? I kind of think we're due for just a Switch 2, right? And then maybe the Switch brand starts to get less favorable a decade down the line, and then they take their next big hardware swing with whatever comes after the Switch family is completely done. And yeah, to kind of speak to that, Nintendo president Shintaro Furukawa and the recent investors Q&A basically said that they believe their integrated hardware software console business is the best strategy at this point. As such, we're advancing various research and development efforts. So kind of in wake of all this Xbox news, Nintendo doubled down saying we're still making consoles and we're still going to put our software on those consoles. I can't wait to see what they're going to do, no matter what it is. I think yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun to, to it's talk gonna be about. the best. Yeah. Well, all right. I want to bring it back to, you know, Game Pass, the idea of Microsoft games, which is a little silly because there already are Microsoft games on mm-hmm. Switch. But sort of I want to ask the both of you for your sort of dream games that you can't play on Switch that could come to Nintendo Switch or the Nintendo Switch successor that are currently in 
Microsoft's stable of game Nick uh, of games. Nick, do you have anything off the top of your head that you would love to just like play on the go? I can't oh, write man, it. I, I, you caught me off guard here. But All I think right. If, well, I, we'll if I had no, if I had to choose, no, 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 I'm going to commit to it. If right, I had so, to choose right sure. now, the first thing that came to mind for me, Master Chief Collection. That, I would love to be able to play Master Chief yes, Collection. Hundred uh, percent. On the go, I would love to be able to escape from a destroyed Halo ring uh, on a warthog while I am, you know, somebody's driving me somewhere. I would yeah. love to be able to do stuff like that. Yeah, that's a great answer. Logan, what about you? Yeah, Halo's an awesome pick. I remember years ago there were rumors, Halo's coming to Nintendo 3DS, and I don't know why anybody <laughs> believed that because it seems so ridiculous in hindsight. But that was a big rumor on the internet back in the day, yeah. and Halo would just be awesome, especially if, like we're talking about, the next console is some PS4, Xbox One, maybe a little souped up from that level power. It could totally handle the Master yeah. Chief Collection. That would be great. Halo is by far my favorite Xbox property, and I'd love to see that just come absolutely everywhere. Halo Infinite, I think, is... A cool one too. That multiplayer has yeah. really turned itself around, and it would be great to kind of get that on all platforms to make that player base bigger. Because I don't want to see it go away in lieu of other live service games that have much bigger install bases. So that that's one I'd like to see live on too. Oh my God, Red showing footage of uh, was that? it's Blood Gulch, right? I'm ready to go back to Blood Gulch, I'm baby. So ready that so many hours in the early 2000s were spent mm -hmm. in that virtual world that. Sometimes I wonder uh, when it all comes to an end and the, my life flashes before my eyes, how much of it is going to be <laughs> blood culture. But, but just imagine local co-op on just handheld oh, switches with, so with, cool. with like, you and the gang. Yeah, I echo, like, that was my first thought was I would love to play, the have the Master Chief Collection available on a Nintendo console. It would just be so cool. And I wouldn't even care if it weren't 4K, if it were just like the, the Xbox originals that would be yeah. fine be i fun, played yeah. through halo on the master chief collection with the original xbox graphics on anyway just for the nostalgia's sake so yeah I, and logan i'm like you like halo is absolutely my favorite um xbox property by far that's not microsoft flight simulator <laughs> but that is not a game i would want to play on nintendo switch that is a game i really <laughs> like to go deep into the simming but yeah, and then uh, Brian Altano in our meeting mentioned the uh, the the Rare Replay Collection would be oh, amazing yeah. to have since most of those games were on Nintendo 64. Anyway, like who doesn't want to play Blast Core? The oh, dust settles on the Nintendo. Oh. The dust settles on the Nintendo Direct, and then you just hear you see the lo uh, a Rare logo pop up, and you just hear alone the hook. Banjo's back, baby. <laughs> yeah, that would be so cool. And yeah, there's a lot be. of good stuff in that collection. I think uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day is in there, which was yep. one of the last Nintendo 64 games, so a lot of people didn't play it. Um, so that'd be a really cool one to get to. I, I really think you're onto something, though. Both you, Seth, and uh, Altano of just, like, Rare being... What if Rare, the Rare Replay, is the kind of the thing that bridges the gap for the Microsoft-Nintendo yeah. kind of partnership? You know, again, all speculation, but it feels like a natural fit for the yeah. console yeah it really does and i mean we'll see next week with the the tweets exact quote from phil spencer is we're listening and we hear you we've been planning a business update event for next week where we look forward to sharing more details you with you about our vision for the future of xbox stay tuned so hopefully that means that we get some rare oh yeah perfect dark was on that collection as well so and there's a new another... perfect dark coming oh my god killer instinct Maybe. <laughs> yeah oh. 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I have this on my Xbox, and I forgot how good. Oh, uh, uh, Viva Pinata. That would be such a good game a great- on mm-hmm. Nintendo Switch. Like all, well, there's two of those, right? Yeah, those would fit. Yeah, and there was like a handheld DS one too, but yeah, that's That's right, man. Well, let us know in the comments which Xbox properties you want to see on Nintendo Switch. I do read the comments. I will respond if you're nice. If you're not, I've got a couple other picks for you, Seth. If you want to, oh, hit me. Cool. I think that Sunset Overdrive is an awesome game that's to come back. Super good. Early Xbox One title developed by Insomniac, which is interesting to look back at, and super colorful third-person shooter that would be an awesome game on Nintendo's next system. That one would be really cool. And then Grounded is that multiplayer game from Obsidian about being shrunk down in a garden and fighting giant bugs and spiders, and that would be a really good fit, I think, on a Nintendo platform. Kind of a family-friendly multiplayer game like that. And then Pentiment is another cool one uh, that, that came out, what, in 2022, I think? That would be a really cool fit on Nintendo. I don't remember also. that Pentiment. one at all. I have a short-term memory problem. So um, <laughs> you did remind me, uh, I've never played a Fable game, and that might be a good collection That'd be a to good fit. over mm-hmm. yeah. the Nintendo Switch. So, yeah. But let us know what you want. Let us know how great our picks are, because they were. They were all super good picks. But... Now we're going to talk about, because look, it kind of feels like the sun is setting on the Nintendo Switch. It kind of feels like this might be the end. And this show in particular might be in for several months, maybe most of a year of uh, really digging for content to talk about Nintendo. (laughs) But because of that, we're going to showcase some hidden gems that we think everybody should be playing because this is one of those things that people always ask in the comments always ask in question block like hey can you recommend some games or what happened to when tom used to recommend games or when casey used to recommend games or when reb used to recommend games well sometimes we just run out of time so we are going to be sharing some of our hidden gem picks that you should absolutely be playing before you have to throw your switch over uh, a bridge into the ocean to get the, to get the new switch or you know, actually in. they'll make you do that before they hand you the switch too, and say i'm sorry i have to destroy it in front of you yep yep that's they want to prove just how much you want the new nintendo console so logan do you have any hidden gems that you would like to shout out this week yeah so the first one i'll shout out is a puzzle platformer called elec head and it came out okay. in 2021 and on PC and came out to Switch a little bit later. And it's really brief. It only takes about two or three hours to beat. And you play as this battery-powered robot who can power machines with its head. And so basically you're powering circuits to activate things in the level to basically get from one side of the room to the other. And then sometimes there's bad elements that you activate. Like you activate something that sends a shock beam down and destroys your robots. You have to avoid jumping on certain oh, things. Oh, this game! It- I remember this really minimalist visuals but it looks really cool mostly yellow when things are powered and then like a steel dark blue when things aren't and super clever puzzles it it has some hidden puzzles that aren't necessary to beat the game but are super awesome if you can solve them and figure them out and it's just an awesome puzzle platformer i really like this one yeah i've been wanting to play this one since i saw it and i forgot that it existed until now so thank you for shouting that one out Nick, do you have anything that just pops off off the top of your head? Uh, off the top of my head, the first thing that comes to mind is Panzer Paladin. I think that is oh, just... Oh, uh, dude. 
a I phenomenal game. Yes. Yeah, phenomenal side scroller that is, you know, uh, kind of doing what Shovel Knight did is, mm-hmm. hey, this this feels like a game that you would have played on the NES, and it is your memory of how those games worked on the NES, but a billion times better due to modern quality of life improvements. And I just I just think it's so smart. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, the only other ones that come to mind, which was early on in the Switch lifecycle, one of the, the few games you could play on when the Switch first came out is the uh, Master Blaster remakes those those are really really fun yeah those are two excellent picks yeah um panzer paladin i think i gave it an eight it is a absolutely wonderful game that i should probably revisit because it is so super fun it's like uh it's like faxanadu meets ducktales meets like a mech game Mm -hmm. plus castle i don't know it's in blaster master because it does have that part where you like jump out of your mech and you're like a little person and you're running around so I'm also struggling to recall the name of the game right now, which is a sign that I'm getting older, but uh, it was a Castlevania two success, like spiritual successor that was made maybe like three years ago. It's a side scrolling Metroidvania S game that has incredible pixel art and full on pixel cut scenes where like you have to make moral choices as you oh. progress through the game. Uh, there's data talked characters. about this game like three weeks ago and i am I also can't remember the name it. of it right now which is terrible is it, for podcasting is any of the bloodstains no, no those it's are not great bloodstain oh, yeah. which is also all the bloodstain castlevania spiritual successors are also very good but um I, i'm gonna i'll research it i'll find the name of it but uh that that's the another one that comes to mind perfect on nintendo switch yeah that's a great one i was gonna shout out and i think this is on pc as well but uh have either one of you played arcade paradise I have not. It is. You start off with. Oh, this is the game. Sorry, folks. Sorry to. This is the yes, game. Yes, this Red is the game. It. And uh, <laughs> still doesn't what help is, me remember the name. Yeah, what is the name of the game, Red? Infernex. Yes. Infernex. Infernex. Yep. Yes. Play Infernex. Infernex. It's very, very good. It's awesome and it's super gory. But yeah, back to Arcade Paradise. You basically you start off like um, you are running a laundromat and you have to do laundry. And take the trash mm. out and it's all first person and and then you make some money and you buy an arcade game and you put it in the back and then you wake up and you do laundry again it sounds like it shouldn't work but i implore you if you find arcade paradise uh, on sale or full price i think it's probably like a 20 dollars game try this game out it is really really cool and you will be surprised how much fun you're having yeah here's one of the arcade games from arcade paradise that's the other thing is it has the actual games like little mini games that you play in the arcade that you're building inside of the back of your laundromat and it's it is a super fun game i highly recommend it i want to shout out like i have i think every month boomerang x that game is also super oh Oh, yeah here's footage banger of a game of doing uh doing your laundry in arcade paradise but yeah boomerang x is awesome it's very short and sadly the uh the studio has shut down since but go check that game out it's very fun and then another game that i always i always talk about is axiom verge 2 because that is probably my favorite metroidvania on nintendo switch that's not metroid dread um and it's just super cool and i have the first one i've never actually played the first one and the first one's really good too yeah too right 
Prince of oh Prince of Persia. I mean, I don't know if that's really a hidden gem, but it isn't. You know what I mean? It, it that is... might be your favorite Metroidvania by the time you finish it on Switch. Yeah, we'll talk about Switch. that in Meverse again. But yeah, Prince yeah, of Persia. Is it. I mean, Prince I got of a couple more for you, Seth. Yeah, let's let's hear him. Absolutely. Okay, I, I was just this. gonna shout out Unravel Two is an awesome co-op two-player mm. platformer. Uh, so yeah, Unravel is you play as Yarny, and it's that kind of two yep. and a half D, very beautiful perspective. And Unravel Two I liked a lot more because it is completely built around playing with another person. It's another one that's not too long; takes about six hours to beat. And I played this in a couple of sittings with a friend of mine a few years ago, and it, it's just really gorgeous. And the last level is super memorable and awesome, and I still think about it sometimes. It's a really cool puzzle platformer. And then the last one I'll shout out is Murder by Numbers, which is Picross meets Ace Attorney. This was a puzzle game that came out in 2020. And basically, uh, it's a visual yeah. novel where you're solving these murders. And when you're investigating for evidence, instead of just getting the evidence, you have to solve a Picross puzzle to unlock the evidence and add it to kind of your, your core that record. Rules. And Nice. It does get, there's a lot of puzzles, and by the end, the pacing is really dragged down, down by how many Picross puzzles you have to solve to advance the story, but it's still a really cool concept that that works super well. has a really good soundtrack, which is kind of necessary for a Picross game when you're mm. listening to it a lot when you're solving the puzzles, so this is a pretty good one. May I yeah. uh, also make two, once you're done, sorry. Yeah, I'm no, so I want to hear, <laughs> I want to hear, like, all, and, you know, the, the, the audience loves, loves game suggestions, but yeah, you just reminded me of the uh, the Sega Genesis Picross is a super good one uh, if you like Picross and you like old games. But Nick, what's up? Two games, two final game recommendations for me. It's the ones that I think actually are authentic to like I'm me sitting on this question for a little bit. Uh, there's two games made by the same developer, The Friends of Ringo Ishikawa and Fading Afternoon, which is the developer's brand new game, which came out at the end of last year. The Friends of Ringo Ishikawa is a Kunio-kun style game, um, and it is basically following the events of a middle schooler's last day of middle school. But problem is, is he's kind of like the leader of the local gang, slash he's also a bully, and it's kind of like a dude who is you know, doesn't really have a lot going for him in life. And uh, by the time all of his classmates are going to graduate from school, he's kind of a loser and not going to go anywhere. And the game is all about exploring his last couple weeks as a school child. And you can spend the time, you know, claiming uh, gang supremacy around the local arcades, bars, things like that. You can actually try and buckle down and get better at school. You can just spend the whole day gambling, drinking, and uh, hanging out with people and do, exploring dialogue trees. There's no right or wrong way to play the game. It is hyper atmospheric, all about just, you know, kind of living a life of what if I was a, you know, Japanese bully <laughs> in my last days, really not going anywhere in life, but just kind of exploring all that comes with that. There's a lot of loneliness nice. explored. And uh, to, to just jump to the next game, Fading Afternoon, very much in the same vein, except this time you are playing a Yakuza boss who just got out of prison and you are returning to the Yakuza world and kind of finding your place, where you belong, how things have changed since you went to prison and kind of dealing with the ramifications of a lot of the choices you made. So basically the same game, just uh, older subject matter. Nice. Highly recommended though. Good, good stuff. All right. Yeah, those are good shouts, man. I think uh, if you like those, again, hit the comments. Logan, did you have any more that have come to mind? And it's not a big deal. I'm not trying to pressure you. Yeah, hey, I think I, I could go. There's so many good games on Switch to talk about. I actually it is, think there's 
yeah. some underrated ones in Nintendo's first party library that maybe don't always get the due that they deserve. Like, I think that uh, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes was an awesome game spinoff of Three Houses or Return to That oh, World okay. with those characters, but in kind of an alternate universe. And the gameplay is an awesome mix of Dynasty Warriors gameplay and Fire Emblem. They do really cool things with it where... Uh, and there's permadeath. It's a warrior's game with permadeath. So if one of your allies is dying, you got to get over there and save them because if they die, they're gone forever, just like in Fire Emblem. And so that was a really cool one that I think really flew under the radar on Nintendo Switch a couple years ago. And then Box Boy plus Box Girl, I think is awesome. Oh, a laboratory. Okay. I, I'm all about the 2D puzzle platformers today, apparently. But that's yeah. another super minimalist one, black and white graphics, co-op focused puzzle platformer game that's that's really, really clever. Awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a collection of games that I'm going to purchase and then put to the backlog. <laughs> the rest of them, yeah. I organized my Nintendo Switch physical collection, and I have probably ten or fifteen games that are still shrink wrapped. So that's a sign of a problem. Like Front Mission, uh, the remake of that with the lenticular okay. cover, I still have that one. Good game. I'll get around to it eventually. All right, Logan, you you. Fun fact about Logan is that he loves financials, financial <laughs> statements, and Nintendo just had their latest results. Logan, would you please introduce your new segment to the world? Yes, I'm going to share five fun financial facts from Nintendo's latest results. So this happened right. uh, earlier this week, and it was a little bit of news kind of without the Nintendo Direct we were expecting, and I'm leaning into those strong accountant vibes that Jada called out a couple of weeks ago on the show. <laughs> I'm, I'm going for it. And because, yeah, I, I do love talking about Nintendo's Stonks. Yes. The lovely picture from Red. And I think that a lot of why I am really interested every quarter when these results drop is largely due to 10 years ago when I listened to the show and I would hear, oh, hey, welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat. Nintendo lost 100 million yen this quarter and Donkey Kong <laughs> Tropical Freeze sold negative 12 copies. And it was dire and it was really, it was a worrying time to be a Nintendo fan. And you kind of really clung on to those results to see if you could glean any positives from them. And now we are overflowing with positives because Nintendo is doing yeah. extremely, extremely well. Yeah. So here's fact number one. Speaking of that last console generation, the Nintendo Switch has sold 10 times the number of Wii U's that were sold. So it's official now. Nintendo Switch sold 139.36 million as of oh, December 31st last year. And Nintendo Wii U sold 13.56 million. So an over 10 times rate. Uh, and Almost been... 13 of those still work. So <laughs> I have two Wii U's at home. Okay. So I'm at least, I, I'm doing my part. <laughs> How many switches do you have? I only have one. I only have one. Still, <laughs> are you still rocking your original switch or have you upgraded? I'm still it? rocking the OG. That's nice. crazy. I, and I've never once apart. experienced Joy-Con drift. Nice. Oh, wow. Nice. That's, That's fortunate. On just one set, or you have multiple sets. One set, baby. Wow. It's incredible. I mostly use Pro Controller, to be fair. Okay. No, fair enough. Fair. fair enough. That's fair. What's, yeah, what's our say, fun I... financial fact number two? Uh, let's see. Uh, actually, I had a, a few more details on fun financial fact. Oh, please. Fact number sorry one. about sorry. that. Uh, Nintendo Switch is the first console to crack 1 billion. The first Nintendo console to crack 1 billion units of software sold. A billion wow. games Crazy. sold on Nintendo Switch. Um, and then... This is something I've been wondering because I've bought 
four Nintendo Switch consoles for my household, and I know I'm not alone in that. <laughs> Nintendo says there's 122 million annual users of Nintendo Switch. So 139 million consoles sold, 122 million users. And something I've really been wondering is how many households are there that own a Nintendo Switch? Because you could have a household that has one Switch with five users or mm. four Switches with one user in my case. So I want to know how many households are out there that actually have it. I don't think there's a way they could ever figure that out. But no, it, no, 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 no more Nielsen ratings these days, huh? <laughs> right. Yeah. Send you that crisp $1 bill in the <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then this is something that some Nintendo fans are worried about. Shintaro Furukawa said Switch is the focus as they head into 2024. I'm here to kind of pump the brakes on that, not sound the alarm. I think that just means as they start their fiscal year, which begins yeah. on April 1st. Like, I wouldn't worry about it. I don't think that means anything about Switch 2, right? Because we're not going to hear a peep out of them until they're ready to announce it. So yeah, I'm personally exactly. not worried about that. No, and a lot of people do kind of, run with the idea that oh well, i guess that means we're not getting a new nintendo console this year but the, there's that is reading a little bit more into it than what is actually there and you could kind of read anything you want to in that like of course switch is going to be the main focus if yeah. they don't you know put the new one out until october that's most of their fiscal year you know that's mm -hmm. half of their fiscal year so yeah obviously and then they're going to still be selling those over Christmas. Not everyone's going to be an early. Not everyone is like us. Not everyone is going to be there day one getting whatever the next Nintendo console is. Like a lot of people are going to be waiting for it. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> but we also, we all could be completely wrong. And then they say that it's not coming yeah. out to them. <laughs> we could, that's still a possibility. That. I'd be real sad. <sighs> Man. All right, Logan, what other points do you have for us? Fun fact number two is small games get big wins. Pikmin 4 is already the best-selling game in the franchise. It's cracked 3 million. It's sold 3.33 million since its launch in July. Yeah. Nick, are you a big Pikmin fan? Pikmin is one of my favorite Nintendo properties, and it's one of the rare instances where I think every game that comes after has evolved and iterated and improved on the previous game. Pikmin 4 was my second game of the year, my, my, wow. in my top three, uh, over Tears, like Tears of the Kingdom, Pikmin 4, and then something else. Wow, damn. Yeah, and uh, people are still mad at me because I said Pikmin 4 didn't sell well, so... <laughs> Hey, as 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 long as the Miyamoto edict is that they keep making Pikmin games, I'll keep buying them. I also do want to. I just want to point out real quick here that Pikmin Four is the best-selling Pikmin game of all time in the Correct. franchise. I want to say that's not a very high bar, but I don't that want is, people to get mad. It, it is not a high bar. I'm glad. I love Pikmin. I did not want it to fail. Um, so. 3.3 million for a new Pikmin is great because it shows growth. It shows that people are interested. And I hope that we do. And I mean, we will. We'll get a Pikmin 5. As long as Mr. Miyamoto is still around, we'll get, we'll get more Pikmin. So anyway, I'm sorry, Logan. Just wanted to clear no, I clear think for out. sure we'll see a Pikmin 5. I definitely yeah. think that it's a big franchise for them. They're, you just look at the Nintendo stores in, in Japan and Nintendo Tokyo and Kyoto. They give Pikmin as much shelf space as Splatoon, Mario, mm -hmm. and Zelda, and Animal Crossing. Like They're trying to bring it to that point. Will it ever get that big? I don't think so, but I think that it's, it's near and dear to Nintendo's hearts, and yeah. I think they'll keep it around. It also has the best merch. <laughs> Very good merch. Yeah. Yeah. 
That is true. I ordered these like terrariums that are coming from Japan. Oh, those are very cute. They're really cute. Look them up if you haven't seen them. They're they're adorable. There's like one of like three Pikmin, three yellow Pikmin powering up an electric circuit, some water Pikmin nice. chilling on a pad. They're they're really adorable. So yeah, those are coming at some point. Very cool. And another smaller franchise that's getting a big win is Super Mario RPG. Mario RPGs are back in just six weeks. Super Mario RPG remakes hold 3.14 million Whoa. units. It's already outpacing Paper Mario Origami King. So the fans have spoken. They want RPG mechanics in their Mario RPGs. And yeah, I'm excited yeah. to see how Thousand Year Door does. I love yeah. Mario RPG. I thought it was great. And I think Thousand Year Door is even better. So I can't wait to see when that comes out yeah. and how many it sells. I got to go back and finish that. You just reminded me. I, I was loving it. I was playing it every weekend for, you know, a couple, three hours, and then I just stopped. Oh, I think I went, uh, I don't know. I don't know why. But, yeah, I'm going to have to go play that. Well, it has, good a, for Super it has a great end game, too. Like, that's really? a, the new thing that they added to the game is a lot of the end game stuff, which is really fun. No kidding. Like all harder right. bosses? Is that what it is? Yeah. Or what all? A, a lo- hard, harder bosses and, and a couple other things. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to have to get back into that one, so. Any other points? Anything we can get closer to a, a Paper Mario proper sequel would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, or a remake because those do quite well for yeah. Nintendo. So yeah, right. I just thought it was what's, awesome what's up to next? see a, a Super um, RPG remake from the Super Nintendo era sell three million in six yeah. weeks. I thought that was just kind well, of well. It's great. It's done. It's so well done. It's so fun. Yeah. The the source material is like pretty beloved. So yeah, they they really did a great job with this one. Fun fact number three is that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has cracked 60 million copies sold. Jeez. And the Switch version alone is has outsold Super Mario Brothers. More people huh. bought oh. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe than Super Mario Brothers across every platform it's ever been released on. That is wow. just wild to me that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has passed Mario Brothers. Brian's bought that game like 16 times. And Mario yeah. Kart 8 Deluxe has outsold it so I was, i'm actually buying was it right now expensive. as uh, as we talk so that's not really true you're, you're buying yeah, <laughs> that you buy sense. that black friday bundle every year that, that yeah. comes oh, yeah, every year. Copy of it. <laughs> yeah but that's just crazy uh and it's at 60 million the overall if you include the wii u numbers it's at 69 million and it's like in the top five best-selling games of all time only behind like minecraft tetris gta 5 wii sports yeah, PUBG is actually fifth right now, and then Mario Kart is sixth. Like it is the sixth best-selling game wow. of all time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. There will never be a better-selling game than Minecraft. <laughs> that one's <never laughs> coming off of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of Mario, I wanted to quickly mention that Wonder is at just under twelve million units. It's the fastest oh, wow. Super Mario Brothers game. So that's really awesome. good numbers for that one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fun fact number four is Tears of the Kingdom uh, passed 20 million units sold. It's the ninth first-party Switch game to do so. And I'm going to be honest, it's actually a little bit of a slower takeoff than I expected. It sold Mm. 18 million through Q3 of last year. And then it's holiday season. It only sold 2 million. So it's like, I guess everybody Mm. who wanted it kind of bought it pretty much right away. I expected it to get closer to Breath of the Wild's numbers, which is at 30 million. And... 20 million is still huge. I'm not belittling the success at all, but I am wondering, do either of you think that the extra $10, it's a $70 game on the shelf is a turnoff to anybody who maybe is considering what to buy for their kid for the holidays and and they pick something else. I certainly think it dissuaded people from buying the game twice, as was the case with breath of the wild. It had almost double the attach rate because people would just 
buy uh, the game digitally and physically when they first got their Nintendo Switch, you know, on launch day. So I would assume it has that going against it uh, for uh, double adopters in that regard. Yeah, I would say that for the uninitiated, if you are someone who just doesn't know anything really about video games beyond that they exist and you're buying a gift and you see, oh, this one's $70 and these all these other ones are $60, you would just default to you wouldn't know why it's 70 dollars. you wouldn't know it's because it's the greatest game that was ever made in the history of human being so you would just pass on it so i think that that might have had a uh a, a part of it but it doesn't matter because we all know that the next switch all the games will be 70 dollars. so we don't you know think that. so you think all of them <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah 100 percent. i mean not all of it like obviously they'll still be you know budget releases the 39.99 and the 20 but I think new games for the next console, uh, for all the next consoles, are going to be seventy dollars. So no just matter. Just want you to buy that coupon, that Nintendo Switch eShop coupon for a hundred bucks. <laughs> That's right, the voucher. Yeah. That's what they want. Yeah, I, so. I scrubbed through their entire document they released to see if they talked about how many people bought the vouchers, and they aren't sharing that. I really want to know how many people are buying the voucher because it is a pretty good deal. You can get Tears of the Kingdom and a $60 game for a hundred bucks. Like it's yeah. it's a pretty good deal. And I wish they were sharing how that was doing, but Oh, wow. Yeah. And then my last fun fact is that digital sales accounted for 48.1% of all sales on Nintendo Switch so far in this fiscal year, which we're nine months into. So since yeah. April 1st of last year, under half. And if you look at the rest of the industry, this is a big outlier. Like physical yeah. sales are dying across the board, not on Nintendo yep. consoles. And to me, this says the people like me. Yes, and, yeah, and I have a ton of physical Switch games and I don't buy them anywhere else. But it tells me that there will be a cartridge slot on the next console. There's still 50-50. Oh, yeah. It's not going away. I think some people are worried it is. I, I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah, I mean, for basically like the last 10 years, it has been tipped more towards digital than it has for physical for all video games as, mm -hmm. as a whole. Because I can remember as a freelancer uh, pitching an, uh, like a story to write about how we've reached the tipping point where more digital games. And that was... Well, I've been full time for six years, and so that was at least eight to ten years ago. So that is that is good to know. I love physical media, and I never, ever want it to go away. So please give us more cartridges, Nintendo. Yeah, and for <sighs> me, it's like I I don't like buying games on PlayStation anymore, physically or Xbox. Well, I have a Series S, not a Series X, so I can't buy them physically. But on oh. PlayStation, it's like, what's the point of me buying this disc where I have to download forty gigabytes anyways? Mm -hmm. Like Nintendo, I can still play pretty much the whole game off of the cartridge and that's why i've stuck around and i think that's probably the case for a lot of people yeah except for those nba 2k fans on nintendo switch <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome well logan thank you so much for the five fun fact financial facts from nintendo's latest results um i like that a lot and i would like to hear more of those every quarter if you don't mind if you don't listen to financial news, you're missing out, uh, especially when they talk about uh, strong macroeconomic headwinds. That's one thing they always love to say. And a strong dollar versus the euro or a strong dollar versus the yen. It's, <laughs> it's very, very weak right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you listen to the, uh, the Ubisoft financials, you get to try to figure out what Yuskiyama is saying because he speaks French natively and he has a very thick accent. And when you're trying to write that down for news, it's very difficult. This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL 
to your television. Uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with, like, Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's go into the me versus the me versus when we talk about what we've been doing in the video game world or just the real world, how we've been spending our free time over the last week or so. Logan, you've been playing a Nintendo game that is right up there with your Nintendo interests. Could you please care to elaborate? Yeah, I'm playing Foam Stars on PS5. It launched into PS Plus this week. Mm. And yes, everyone's comparing it to Splatoon. And I've played it. It does not really play like Splatoon, but it was almost comical to me how much the modes were lifted directly oh, from wow. Splatoon. There is a tower control mode where it, you're trying to ride a rubber ducky from one end to the other. It's exactly like tower <laughs> control in Splatoon where it has to stop and kind of unlock the checkpoint before it can move on again. There's a salmon run horde-like mode where you're defending this base from incoming waves of enemies. And granted, modes like this are in a lot of shooters, so it's not like Splatoon came up with right. all these original ideas and didn't you know, crop from anywhere else either, but it does, it, it wears its inspiration on its sleeve, but it's pretty fun. I think it was a good okay. time. 
I don't know if it's something I'll personally go back to a lot, just because I am such a big Splatoon fan. This isn't going to take me away from that. But for people who don't have Splatoon or don't have a Switch, this is a nice alternative. And if you have PS Plus, it's free to try this month. And it was a good time. I think the big concern is, are we going to hear next April Square Enix say, hey, we're shutting this game down? Because you never know anymore. With oh, no, I know. Games. They're going to be shutting this game down. Yeah. This game... <laughs> This game won't be around. I mean, God bless them and everyone who worked on it, but this game won't be around. No, I think that's fair to say. But you said it's a good time. It looks a lot prettier than I remember seeing maybe from the first uh, teases of it. Like, it looks like a very pretty game. Yeah, yeah, it looks really nice. It runs well. It has a nice soundtrack. Uh, I did get booted from matchmaking twice, so I guess that's another thing that they lifted from Splatoon. Oh. <laughs> uh, it was a good time, though. Nice. Yeah. All right, have you been doing anything else? Ah, I'm just getting ready to move. I'm getting ready to move oh. to a new apartment. So I'm going to have a new nice exactly. home office set up. And uh, like I talked a few weeks ago, we'll be having my Amiibo all behind me on the podcast. So you can see nice. how big of an Amiibo problem I have. And I'm excited. Were, to you, able to, all of you. were you able to secure a, a suitable display case? I'm still working on it. I'm still looking Dang. into it. I think I'm going to go to an Ikea and see if they have anything there that, that strikes my interest. So, yeah, I'm still weighing all my options. But thanks to all the NVC fans who posted in the Facebook group with their setups, because there's some really cool ones in there that definitely oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and shout out to the NVC Facebook group. It's unofficial, but you should still join because we're all in there and we, we chat with everybody mm -hmm. and get in the middle of arguments sometimes. <laughs> no, I'm not. So, I got into awesome. some arguments about the live-action Zelda movie. I got, I got some people oh, not happy with what oof. I had to say about that. Man, yeah. that's what they're going to do next when there's a direct. We're going to be all excited, and it's going to be about the live-action Zelda movie. <laughs> Nothing that we... I mean, sure, it'll be nice to know what bonkers casting that they have for that one. I remember, I don't know if it was live or if we were just all watching it live and we weren't doing a show, but when they announced the Mario movie casting, it was like an IGN April Fool's joke. We're all just like <laughs> losing our minds. Like yeah. every every announcement was like more absurd than the one before. <sighs> and the one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Nick, what have you been up to these days? I haven't seen you in forever, man. Yeah, it's been a minute. Uh, as for me, been playing a lot of games, but uh, big ones for me, uh, non-Nintendo, uh, on the non-Nintendo side, it's uh, it, like a dragon, infinite wealth. I devoured okay. that game with a big spoon. I ate it up. Uh, one outstanding turn-based RPG that, honestly, I, I wish I had more of. Uh, but apart from that, I just recently finished uh, Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. Hell and yeah. let me tell you, what an outstanding metroidvania that game is not only just like in its it's uh you know in its format but uh the boss encounters are wonderful i love the bespoke like anime-esque like ultimate attacks of yeah. each boss that yeah, yeah, yeah. one you can deflect or you can get hit by and it's worth experiencing both because they have their own custom animations but uh one thing that i think a lot of metroidvania struggle with is hard as hell platforming like don't get me wrong i love hollow knight's uh path of pain which is like the optional platforming hell challenge but prince of persia does a good job of balancing just fun platforming scattered throughout the game and there are like just set aside like this is the hard one it's completely optional 
but you can really test what you can do in the game. And uh, one of the things that Prince of Persia Lost Crown does so well is give you new abilities that make the platforming more interesting, yeah. whether it be in the form of uh, something as simple as a double jump or the ability to create a copy of yourself that you can rewind to. It just is always doing something interesting that elevates the platforming to the next level. And my God, I had such a fun time with this game. Yeah. Um, but a- apart from Lost Crown, again, I'm, I'm a Final Fantasy boy at heart. So once they drop that rebirth demo, you know Papa got in there nice. and devoured that that demo, that chapter oh, yeah. one demo. Cannot wait that, for that full game. Yeah, I was gonna say I hope that's on the next Switch console at the very least. But yeah. Um I have also been playing Prince of Persia. I beat I don't want to spoil it, but I beat I think like the fourth boss. And it took me so many times. And I was like, these attacks are unavoidable. I, you, how could you do this without mm-hmm. getting hit? And then I realized, I was like, oh my God, dude, I have a power specifically that will <laughs> allow me to avoid these. And then once I did that, I finally beat them. But it was like, I was banging my head against the wall, like about ready to throw my controller until I sort of figured it out. But yeah, that game is so good. And I'm it's, sure everyone's. It's like when you're here. playing it well. It's like a beautiful ballet oh, yeah. in motion, right? Feels like so good. when when you actually pull something off. If you do hit the the switch capture to replay the last thirty seconds and just watch it back, you just look like the most skilled player in the entire world. And I think that's what the best games do, right? Is they make you feel like you pulled off the impossible, yeah. despite it being something that everybody can, in theory, do. So when you pull it off that effortlessly, it's just it, it makes you feel like on another level entirely. Yeah, I totally yeah, agree I, that I, I love the sorry, Seth, I love the platforming focus of it. I think that, like Nick said, there's a lot of Metroidvanias that are more combat focused, and I'm not super yeah. into that all the time. And just I had a moment that I think about this game when I'm not playing it, which is definitely the sign of an awesome game. And Nick, that power you were talking about where you can make a copy of yourself and then rewind back to it. I was I was seriously I was driving and I just clicked in my head. I'm like, oh, my God, I know a place I was at three hours ago where I need to go do that. And it's just it's just so incredible and rewarding. And this is the fourth week in a row we've talked about this game. NBC fans, you have to buy this game. It did not sell well. Buy it and play it. Buy this game. It's going to be one of the best games of the year when it's all said. It is absolutely one of the best games of the year it's one of the best metroidvanias i've ever played i will say i have run into some serious performance problems occasionally but they were so bad there's a very uh important story cutscene. like it's kind of central to the entire plot of the game where some of the characters were like up to their chest in the geometry of the ground and weapons were there instead of like other characters and i didn't know what was going on and then there's a side quest that every time i go to start it just becomes unresponsive yeah Uh, that happened to me too okay were you ever able to go back to it nope (laughs) i could not forms are you guys playing on um i'm playing on uh, playstation Okay. I played it on my <laughs> I played it technically on my PC but through Steam Deck uh remote play. <laughs> oh nice. Okay. And I I would have played it on I was planning on getting it for Nintendo Switch, but I had someone offer me a code and I am a cheap man and I will not pass up something free. Um so please forgive me that for that for getting a free game. So yeah, that's why I'm playing it on PlayStation 5. But other than that, I love it and I can't wait to play it again. But enough prince of persia talk we'll talk about it again next week i'm sure because i'll have beat it by then let's get to quebston block we're going to do an extended quebston block we're getting through the questions that we've been wanting to have uh we've wanted to ask on the show for a couple weeks now 
First off, Matt Nebon or Nebin, please forgive me. I, I messed up your name. How did you start your jobs at IGN? What was the process like? And did you already live in the San Francisco area at the time? Nick, I'm curious, how did you start at IGN? Uh, I started at IGN as a freelancer about five and a half years ago. I worked as a freelance producer where I became the sole producer of the Daily Fix for about a year and a half, both producing the Daily Fix and the Snapchat Daily Fix alongside my dear friend, Sydney Goodman. And then shout out there, to Sydney, one of the best. Shout out to Sid, one of the best to ever do it. And then um, about a year and a half in is when I was brought on full time. And since then, I've been a producer on the uh, core editorial side. And since then, I've now a supervising producer on the branded content team. Uh, but as far as how I got the job, uh, through the current director of video, Corrado Corretto, I worked with him previously at my last job. And uh, he knew that my expertise lied in event planning and uh you know, uh, producing and directing live content for IGN. And it just so happened to be during E3 when E3 still existed. Uh, what? And they uh, had me produce, line produce E3. And now, despite me being on the branded content team, now every event season, I usually am producing and directing all of the live shows for IGN. So I'm usually behind the scenes. Yeah. And one of the best also, I will say. I love, I love okay. working with Nick. Um, it's always you know, a pleasure. Why don't you get on that plane, come to Boston for PAX East, man? I'll be there. Dude, trust me. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'll let Gabe know. So. Right on. <laughs> well, then the other question is, uh, did you already live in San Francisco area at the time? And I think that's a pretty obvious one. Oh, yeah. I've lived in L.A. all my life. Uh, I've lived in California all my life. And uh, IGN had a, uh, you know, a, a sister office in the uh, like Culver City area. And so I just went to work there <laughs> every day <laughs> nice logan what about you how did you start i mean this is funny because i do know how you started but i would like you to tell everyone else yeah i started freelancing for ign in the spring of 2019 i just randomly was uh, pitching the features inbox for lucy o'brien at the time who is awesome also one another legend and shout yes. out speaking of ubisoft and uh, she responded and wanted my feature on the site. And it was about Breath of the Wild, actually. And I wrote it up. And that was my first published piece. And then I didn't really have any ongoing things until one day, Casey DeFridis messaged me and said, hey, I see you're published on IGN. I see that you're very active in the NBC podcast forums on Facebook, which we plugged earlier. Go join that. I need an assistant producing this show right here, NBC. Do you want to be my production assistant? And I said, absolutely. And so I did that for a few years. And Casey is awesome and eventually Casey got- also rules. Yes, very much. She got me in with Jonathan Dornbush, who also rules on the news Man, team at the All time. these great people. Yeah, seriously. And yeah, so Dornbush brought me on to news as a freelancer. And I worked there for many years. Uh, eventually, I started freelancing full time with IGN. I quit my day job to go all in on IGN. And I did that for two years. So from September of 2022 to September of 2024, until this database manager gig opened up, and I applied for it and got it. And that's what I'm doing now. Nice. And now you're a valued member of the NVC team. So thank you for that. Oh, oh, we got to ask uh, the San Francisco question. No, I have never lived in San Francisco. Yeah, I joined <laughs> in the the kind of the remote era because, like I said, mid 2019. And then, yeah, I was around producing NBC when, when the pandemic started and then all throughout that. And yeah, so 
Yeah, never. Wow, I did not expect that I'd be living in the state I've always lived in while being on NBC, right? Like, I never pictured it like this, but yeah, it's, it's worked out. Amen, brother. Trust me, I know that feeling because I live in the farthest state from anything. But uh, as for me, I started off, uh, I used to freelance for oneup.com. Shout out, rest in peace nice. to oneup.com. Um, you know, Kat also used to freelance there, industry legend Kat, which is how I know her, but she didn't know me because Kat is like six levels above me and just like bad acidness. So um, I started out there and then I started to kind of make a name for myself and was getting offered work. I used to write some stuff for Jose Otero. I was going to say, what oh, years wow. were you at 1UP? Yeah. Jose was there before I did. Jose was there and I, like, I did a couple freelance jobs for him. And then, you know, tragically, 1UP was no longer, which well, someday I might get over. And then I kind of wasn't doing anything. It, I came over to do a couple things for IGN, but not really. And then uh, watching Twitter one day, Andrew Goldfarb was like, hey, we're looking for news freelancers. Give us three, you know, like samples. And so I did. And then I just like refreshed my email like obsessively for like three days. And then, oh my God, that that's my old one up blog. How did you find <laughs> my old one up blog, dude? Oh man, you can't read it anymore. The site's down. You have to go on web archive if you mm. want to see it. But yeah, that was my one up blog, dude. Uh, I'm a little verklempt. I used to write the Netflix blog, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. So, um, you know, obsessively just like checking and then I get the, the, email from Andrew, like, Hey, we liked your work. We want you to come on as a freelancer. Uh, so it was like a whole bunch of us and two of us are still here at IGN. One of those people obviously is me. Can either one of you guess who the other person was who started in the freelance news class of 2014? She's kind of a big deal. Miranda it, Sanchez. Yes. Miranda. I was going to guess Miranda too. Not just because you guessed it. <laughs> yeah. Miranda uh, started at that same kind of class and Brandon Tyrell, who no longer works here with us, he and I trained together for news. So uh, I just did freelance forever. I said yes to everything. And then uh, I eventually just got hired on. And no, I did not live in the San Francisco area at the time. I was one of the first remote employees at IGN doing the commerce thing. I think it was like me and like, I think Scott Colora were the only two full-time remote. And then the, um, the whole pandemic happened and everybody was remote and it wasn't a special thing for me anymore. Um, other than the fact that I do live far, far away in Maine. So yeah, that's, that's the story right there. Those are cool. I like that. I like to show you the importance of uh, having a portfolio of work and sample of work, though. So if you're ever interested in working for IGN and we're looking for freelancers, having something that could be your go-to, here's what I did, here's what it looks like when I do something, that's always going to help get you in the door. And that's yeah. always something we're looking for on every side of IGN. So highly recommend if you don't have any sample of work, get started. Yeah. And that could just be like literally your own blog. Mm -hmm. And just, or like a small site that like your friend runs or a YouTube channel, but like get some work or like if you're going to college, your college newspaper, if you write for them, that works. That works for me. I'm looking for freelancers. Uh, I'm not actually at the moment. I have too many to go through. So please don't send me any more applications. Unfortunately, I won't be able to get to them. But yeah, that's a very good point. Like have some, have a portfolio out there that we can look at. We'll take a chance on you if you're willing to work. If you're not, well, why'd you send an application? <laughs> So 
Cool. Uh, this one's a weird one, but I like because I wanted to answer it. Tracy Vincent asks, better NES athlete. And well, let's just pretend that we'll only focus on their athleticism. We won't focus on their sorted sort of pasts here. Better NES athlete, Mike Tyson or Bo Jackson. And would you want to see either of them in Smash? Logan, I'm going to throw it to you as a baseball guy. I don't know if you're much of a boxing guy, but who is the better NES athlete? It's Bo Jackson. He was in the NFL and MLB. Like, come on. Yeah, it's yeah. hands down Bo Jackson. But I'd take Ken Griffey Jr. over all of them. But maybe that's because I'm from Seattle. <laughs> that's because you're a Seattle born and bred. But hey, Ken Griffey Jr. is the man. Like, I love Ken Griffey Jr. So, Nick, what about you? Who's the better NES athlete? I'm not much of a baseball guy, but I do think that if both of them were to go head-to-head in a 1v1 Nintendo NES uh, brawler, I feel like Mr. Dream would probably come out on top. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm going to say for as far as athleticism, like, like Logan already pointed, like Bo Jackson, yeah, he played in two professional leagues at the same time. And Mike Tyson, maybe one of the best boxers that ever lived. In fact, I, I would put him up maybe like him and Ali are like neck and neck because he just had this unbelievably explosive power he was faster than anybody he was short for a heavyweight five nine is not really like a heavyweight height but athletically one of the reasons that he would he was he developed that speed and that power was because he has asthma and so he does mm. he has no longevity so his he came to the idea he realization i should say working with custom auto that if he were to just knock his opponents out as fast as he could He'd win every time because otherwise he couldn't go three or four rounds because he's an asthmatic. So would I want to see either one of them in Smash? No, that'd be weird. <laughs> that would be weird to see a real human person. Maybe a support trophy. Yeah, that, that works out <laughs> fine. Sure. And like, what's Bo Jackson up to these days? I don't feel like uh, I have heard anything from, old, from Bo Jackson, but Mike Tyson, of course, has changed his life completely. I think he sells like weed now and like yeah. THC infused drinks, but. Had a stint in the Hangover movie. That's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we all agree, Bo Jackson's the better athlete, but um, Mike Tyson would probably be better in Smash just because he smashes. Things. He fights. Right. Yeah, he's a fighter. It <laughs> yeah. makes sense. Blake Carter asks, what's the one game that you wish you didn't trade or give away? Hmm. Mm. Good one to think about. For me, say. the first thing. That, oh, I'm sorry, Seth. No, by all means, please. You you got something on on the first here. thing that comes to mind. And I was please forgive me, Internet. I was a child who didn't know better, but I I wanted to buy new games, so I traded in my my Game Boy Advance versions of Final Fantasy four and five to buy oh. something I don't even remember anymore. Uh, but yeah, I had them complete in box. I had the it was all like. Oh pristine and just like wonderfully safe and nice and they're all gone and now they're worth a lot of money <laughs> damn that sucks yeah. about you logan is there anything that you regret that you traded or gave away uh, i got rid of my uh, donkey kong jungle beat bongos and i really oh. wish I still had those <laughs> yeah they're not too expensive but most a lot of the ones you find on ebay are like kind of dirty looking and i don't yeah. know i don't look like they were taken very good care of over the years and mine were very pristine at the time that i gave them away and yeah i'll probably track down a pair of those at some point come on down to the la office we got two of them I, uh, one of oh, them nice. is mine <laughs> i brought them <laughs> i brought it in <laughs> nice that's awesome hell yeah jungle this Beat's one a fun is fun game that's a, that's a I, game. You know, i've never I played love it. jungle beat it's so much fun yeah. 
Awesome. My brother has the whole setup in his his home office, so maybe I'll have to go over there and and, and play some 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 bongos with him. But um, I have a hard time with this because I don't generally regret when I give away or trade away or sell a game, but I do regret selling my uh, Hylian Shield Edition GameStop exclusive 2DS. Ooh, only because that's so expensive now that that's the so reason why expensive. because a, a one year later it was worth double what i had sold it for on ebay so i kind of re but that's like a dumb one and i have my uh gold legend of zelda new nintendo 3ds and i keep saying i might sell that one but i haven't brought myself like i haven't been able to do it so one with like I'm the Hylian to... Crest or the Majora's Mask one? Which one is it? The the Hylian Crest one, not the Majora's yeah, Mask. The Majora's Hylian. Mask one is worth a little bit more, but I like the Hylian Crest one better just from a design standpoint. So if the, if there's anything technically or technological that I regret, it was in about 2005 or six, back in my hometown, uh, my friend pulled up. He was working for the school at the time. And they had they were hoeing out all of their old computers, so his whole truck was just mounted over with Apple II computers oh. and like old Macintosh computers. He's like, "Do you want any of these?" And I was like, "Nah, dude, those are pointless. Just throw them." <laughs> and then like now, I'm doing everything I can to collect all of that old stuff now. And they cost you know like a good Apple IIe, depending on its state and what kind of like upgrades it has, like two three hundred dollars. For Oof. an Apple IIe, yeah, and that doesn't include like a monitor. This had everything: monitors, printers, desk drive, uh, disc drives, um, yeah, whatever. That's that's a regret that I have. That I'll I'll go to my. Girl. So one that got away. That was like no, it was like a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah, it was every computer that the school had ever had. They just never threw away, and he was wow. doing an e-waste run for them, and like literally the whole the entirety of the back of his truck was just what are now vintage computers but were then were just like 20 year old obsolete computers mm -hmm. so all right dave Rundjork asks which game new or old would you meaning us choose to compete professionally in if you had to pick one and dave says that his would be goldeneye 007 because nobody in his friend group could beat him so uh logan what game do you think you are so good at that you could professionally compete in or like you know make a good effort at I'll say splatoon 3 i think that's probably the game that i am wow. best at um yeah i'm in like the the highest rank s rank x rank of the splatoon 3 online modes uh, and for a time i actually considered getting into like a competitive team with it but oh, the ones damn. that i found wanted to practice like three or four times a week and i just didn't want to commit to that much time yeah. to to playing in a competitive sense but splatoon and if not splatoon like Mario Kart 8 or something like that. Like I see these tournaments Nintendo holds, like I think I could have a pretty good shot at a Mario Kart 8 tournament. Okay. All right. Uh, you should, they have those at PAX, man. You should go to PAX West this yeah. year and, and sign up and represent NVC. Yeah, I know I was at Nintendo Live last year and I just missed it. I had, I think uh, when I was interviewing Doug Bowser is when I had to enter for the tournament. It's like, well, oh, there's more well, important things to do okay. right now. That works. Let, yeah, let the video team know if you decide to compete. That way we can make a video chronicling your journey. Oh, dude. Okay, that'd be awesome. A lot of slow motion of you like putting gloves on. <laughs> My driving gloves. Get ready. Yeah. The, the garage door opening up and the sun coming in on your silhouette of you just playing with your Switch. Uh, Nick, what about you? What game do you think you could pro 
compete professionally in? I think off the top of my head, it'd probably be Gears of War one through three. Oh damn! Um, okay, th th those are the ones that come to mind because, like, I, I do recall, you know, years after I'd stopped playing all of the Gears of War games multiplayer. Now I just usually play single player. Um, I remember walking into a Microsoft uh, store when those still existed. Oh yeah, and and wow. they had and they had a. Uh, like a, an impromptu Gears of War tournament going on. Uh, it was a Gears of War 3 tournament, and I was just like, well, that's random. Uh, I, and I was like, well, I'm already here. I guess I might as well compete. And it had been, you know, a, a kind of a long time since I'd touched Gears of War. And so I just kind of like, okay, I'll throw my hat in the ring, see if I still got it. And I basically was like, walking away with the tournament. But my oh, friends, damn. we were trying to make some sort of appointment. My friends were like, we got to go, man. I was like, but I'm doing so well in this tournament. <laughs> and they're like, well, yeah, you didn't plan to be in this tournament. We got we got stuff we got to do. So I just yeah. remember putting my controller and walking away. But I was just like, yeah, I guess I was. It's like riding a bike, uh, chainsawing in half. You you chainsawing somebody in half, you never forget. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that's what they say. So that's awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, my selections are weird and old. Um, sometimes people complain because I talk about old games, but I'm an old man, so deal with it. But the two games, I think I, I honestly feel like I could have at the time claimed to be the best in the world were the original Pilot Wings um, and Ooh. the original, uh, not the original, but the only Stunt Race FX. And oh, you know, wow. with Pilot Wings, I was able to do every um, challenge at like its hardest level. Like, you know, if uh, for the Rocket Pack level, if you, you know, if there was a moving platform that you wanted to land on at the end, I would get that and I would do it so fast. And literally every animation I've talked about it before would be the instructor crying because I would have <laughs> the, the, the highest score that you could possibly get. And that was on every single part of that game. I can't play it as well anymore, but I did play. I streamed like four or five years ago, me playing it. And I I'm still really good at that game. Stunt Race FX. That was another one. I was unbelievably good at that game because i just i loved it so much and i know people it's corny the frame rate is awful um it wasn't a huge success for nintendo but i was extremely good at that i could hit every line perfectly i could you know beat every score that uh anyone else threw out there i would just race everyone flawlessly so yeah those are my two picks maybe the original ridge racer also for the playstation Ooh, good choice uh, I was also super good at that one. Um, I guess I was just good at racing games that didn't have uh, analog controls because you have to like tap the D-pad yeah. to get around corners it, and stuff. So is Pilot Wings? Did, did Pilot Wings spark your joy for Flight Simulator? You think? <laughs> no, Flight Simulator sparked my joy for Flight Simulator. That game <laughs> uh, is just so unbelievably good. Um, I do real quick want to ask the two of you and this isn't part of his question but what game do you wish you were professional level at playing i have an answer right here i watched a documentary on professional dr mario and i was like <laughs> i wish i were that good at dr mario because that is so cool but uh what else uh, what from either of you uh i think smash brothers immediately if i was like a pro level smash brothers player i think that's like the most easy party trick to pull out right everybody loves playing smash bros and it's like yeah i'm the best <laughs> but i am not i thought i was very good at smash brothers and then i came to ign and it's like oh wow 
There's other people yeah. here who are who are very good and are better than me. But it's nice to know that I can still put up a fight against the likes of people like Mitchell Saltzman. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, Mitchell's amazing. He's very good. Games, just period. Yeah, we played the uh, we played Ultimate at E3 2018, and Joshua Yale was on my like not my team, but the group that went in, and he just dominated. He just he's also very good. Everyone, yeah, he's uh, he's like low key. You wouldn't expect him to be as good as he is. You'd be like, this guy's probably can hold his own. And then it's like, no, he's just destroyed every single person in there. But Logan, what's your answer? It's probably also Smash Brothers. Uh, yeah. Next time I'm in, I'm in LA, we got to get some IGN Smash Brothers going on because I don't know how I hold up compared to anybody like you were just yeah, saying. Yeah, absolutely. Like in my circles, I'm the best Smash Brothers player, but I don't know nice. how that would translate over. I actually tried to play competitively in college for a little bit, but I got to that point where... I, I was good at just like the instincts of the game and, and kind of like the, the neutral game and all that stuff. But when you get to the level where it's how many frames is this combo and what yeah. percent is a confirmed kill? I'm like, I am just not interested enough in all of that. I wish I could just already have all that information in my head so I didn't have to think about it. But I just, again, I just didn't want to, I'm not super interested in playing competitive games. So I just didn't want to level up to that part of it but i have a good time playing smash brothers but then sometimes you also get to the point where people don't want to play stuff with you if you just win it yeah. so I'm, like when yeah. i play mario kart with people i generally win almost every single race. <laughs> like, yeah people are like fighting for a second and then i'm just in there in the lead and i'm like all right i guess this is just what, once they start wave dashing i'm like all right i'm gonna head out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. would you done. play melee or ultimate if you had to pick which would you want to do because i do ultimate. Pro Probably ultimate, just for the sake of utility. If I, I don't always have a GameCube with me, so uh, a Switch is probably an easier choice. Well, Seth has enough CRTs to run a whole Smash tournament, so we could just. That is true, and I could probably dig up some like uh, some networking stuff. We could have a LAN party up in here, <laughs> running off my Pentium Four processor. But I, it's funny that both of you say Smash because fighting games is one of those other ones. Like if I could just be good at a, at a genre i wish i were good at fighting games but i am just i can't i used to practice it was a, i think street fighter x texan uh, x tekken cross tekken rather mm -hmm. um and i just practice 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 and then i would jump into an online match and i would just get destroyed in like seconds and i was like how is this possible that people can be this good in the like d rank like so yeah i really wish i could be good at fighting games but I'm, i suck at it so I was very good at uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, and that was sort of like when you were talking about with Smash Brothers, nobody wanted to play with you anymore. Um, me, All my friends had got it, and were like, let's see who could get the highest score on whatever level it was. And I was getting like scores like of a million plus. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like all my friends were playing uh, Matt Hoffman BMX because I wasn't. <laughs> and so I was like, oh. oh I I'm sorry, to. this just totally clicked for me going back to the original question of what game are you best at my answer is actually mario tennis aces i am weirdly unbeatable <laughs> at mario tennis aces <laughs> to the point where people will not play with me anymore actually i don't know why but yeah i love that Damn. game so much and i yeah i wish that it wasn't dead online because that game's actually awesome uh, so, yeah, it is it's a super a fun game scene. yeah no it i think it was kind of doomed from the start nobody was really that excited about mario tennis aces Everyone was excited for golf. And that, that game's not yeah. good. That, that was a <laughs> 3DS one's so good though. That's the problem. Everyone was like just expecting that again. Like that was a that was a whole thing. So all right. This one is I'm pretty sure like aimed at me. And like Nick, you kind of touched on it. 
this would be the last one because we're almost out of time. But uh, Tracy Vincent asks, have you ever gotten so good at a sim that you wanted to pursue it in real life? And what is holding you back? I don't know if this applies to either one of you, but I definitely was considering maybe taking pilot lessons after like my 200th hour of Microsoft Flight Simulator. Yeah. That being said, it wasn't because I was so good. Like people really underestimate how almost impossible it is to land an airplane even in a sim like if you turn it on to straight sim mode it is so hard to touch the ground and not crash um so what is holding me back well first of all pilot lessons are very expensive and second of all i don't really have time you have to do like hundreds of hours of training before you can go on a solo flight so real quick nick is there anything or logan is there anything that like you've played in the sim world that you thought like oh, i would like to try this in real life not quite a sim but um there's a game on pc called not for broadcast where you play as a um studio television director where okay. you are basically a technical director where you are cutting between different cameras oh, censoring cool swear words and um, inserting advertisements via playback and obviously it's kind of weird because i got my start in entertainment doing that so oh, playing okay. that game i was just kind of a pro so at it cool. innately <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like a weird inverse of that where i was like oh wow my real world uh skill applies to this game that is it's also a really awesome. good game so highly recommend what was the name of it it's called not for broadcast all right logan real quick i just need uh if no sim, answer, I but I used to want to be a lawyer, and I loved Ace Attorney, and I won't say those weren't unrelated. So <laughs> those are the same thing. That's it's a lawyer simulator. You can pass so the bar realistic. now by playing them. But that is all the time we have left for this week's NBC. Before we go, I have a few favors to ask of you. If you're watching us on YouTube, leave us a like and a nice comment. If you're listening to us on a podcast app, please leave us a review. Helps us spread the good NBC word. We'll be forever in your debt. Nick, thank you for being on. Logan, thank you for being on. Red, thank you for the background. Remember, NBC is the only place where you can get the thing. Get the thing. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.